The Lord is good. All right. Let's open our Bibles to commence our teaching and our prayer again for today. Continue our prayer. Uh, let's open our Bibles to the book of um, Psalms 122. Psalm 122. Now, before I read that, let me just remind us that the most important secret, in my opinion, to effective prayer is the discovery of what God wants to do. That is the most important secret to effective prayer. Check exactly what God wants to do. Don't be struggling against Him. It's crucial you understand that. We must not be struggling against the Lord. Our first position in prayer is discovery of what He wants to do, not our desires. Many times the problem with prayer is that it is founded upon our desires. And we have this impression that God is just there to solve our problems. The way I like to say it is this, prayer is primarily for God's problems. In quotes, please understand me, is to solve God's issues, not yours. Now, you say, what about my issues? The truth is that God loves you more than you love yourself. You don't have enough understanding to love yourself in uh, the way the Lord loves you. So if God says something about an issue in your life, that is what you should know, you should want to know. What is he saying about it? Not what you feel about it. Are you getting my point here? You know, sometimes I think about when I was a child, some desires I had. I look back and I say, God, thank you for not meeting some of those um, desires. Because he has looked beyond my initial, my temporal feeling. He, is, he knows beyond what I'm thinking at that moment. So he satisfies what is important for me. Because he knows me more than I know myself. Are you getting my point here? Yes, he knows me more than I know myself. So that's why, you know, it is safe to just focus on God's desires. To go, Jesus came. He had, listen, nobody ever had the ears of the Father on this earth like the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody. In fact, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, it was to prove, to prove to the disciples the special relationship he had with the Father. He said to them, I'm happy I did not show up. I'm happy we did not come before today. He said, so that you will know that the Father has sent me. Now let us go. And the, the reason of Lazarus was, some, was not one of those miracles. It was unique. It was unique. Lazarus was not there to touch the hem of his garment. It was unique. Lazarus could not respond to his prayers personally. It was unique. And that is one time you see him praying groaning in himself before he prayed. So when he prayed, raised Lazarus from the dead, my understanding is that that was a special, you know, it was, it was proof to show the kind of, um, which word do I use? The kind of regard that God had for his prayers. So he said to the father, release Lazarus to me. Even though the man had been dead for four days, Lazarus was released to him. So nobody had ever had the ears of the father like Jesus had. Then a time came, you know, he, he said to um, Peter, that if I wanted 12 legions of angels, would not I, don't you think I would have asked the Father and they would have delivered us? He, he was so close to the Father that anything he asked for, he could get. I hope you're getting my point. Yet, before that issue of 12 legions, he went to the garden to pray. What did he ask the Father? He said, if it was possible, I would have love for this cup to pass over me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That is what made him so special, was that he was somebody who understood the will of the Father. I hope you're getting my point here. So the primary thing about prayer 
is not the ability to knock your head against the wall. The primary thing about prayer is not the ability to, to starve yourself until, you know, you fall sick. Just by the way, you can never change God's mind because you are hungry. Do you follow my point? No, you can't. I don't know why Christians still make such a big deal about it. Say, so we are going to pray and nobody, you know, for three days and nobody will eat. The Lord is good. No, I will not die. But God, you know, the fact that you are not eating is not going to make God answer you. Let me say it again. Christians don't want to believe it. The intensity of your hunger is not proportional in any way to the likelihood of God answering you. You say, but Nineveh fasted and God answered. No, they repented. You must know the key thing in each activity is just that the sorrow follows with some natural you know, yeah, you know, things, you know, there was a day I had, I was eating and I picked my phone and I saw a news. You know, somebody sent me some information. You know, I lost appetite. I covered the food. My wife came down in the evening and saw my breakfast. Why was the breakfast there? Appetite vanished from my soul immediately. Do you follow my point? <laughs> so it, it, it was, it, it, and that's how it is. There's a way repentance goes with you. That you have no time for frivolities. You don't even have any time for food. I just want to, I want to drop down for believers. And they saw the Bible calls the fast of God. Isaiah described it. This is a fast I have chosen, God said. Alright? So, that's not what makes God answer your prayer. What makes him answer is that the prayer is aligned with his own will. So we talked about Jesus. He could get anything from the Father. Include, and the most difficult was Lazarus. He got it. Yet the day of trouble in the garden, he did not ask for deliverance. Why? He understood that deliverance at that point was not the will of the Father. I hope you're getting my point here. Before then he had prayed, this is going to be difficult. This is going to be tough. This is going to be painful. There's even separation from God along the line. However, that was the will of the Father. So he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That is why, see, make studying the scriptures one of the things you use to kill time. If there's nothing to do, read the Bible. Now, let me be honest with you. It's not an exciting book. So people say that, look, I can't tear myself away from my Bible. You are very spiritual. I'm not. I can't. Did you hear what I said? It's easier to watch a movie than to read the Bible. I don't know how spiritual you are, but I'm giving you the truth about my own life. It's discipline we used to read this book. All of them are waking up now. <laughs> they say, oh, God, so it's like that with you too. <laughs> ah, well, oh, oh. It's true now. I would say, man, I can't tear myself away from my Bible. I can't. I won't lie to you. Just that I, re- I refuse to. I, so I look for all kinds of ways to enjoy it. A few days ago, I, one of my friends, you know, I realized I'd never listened to the book of Amos on this Bible experience CD. I'd done a lot of them. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Revelation is my favorite. You understand? A lot of it. Okay? So the other day I was just going through my, just looking for, like I told you, looking for how to feed myself with these scriptures. And I picked, amongst the ones I've not done, I know the prophets are very beautiful in that collection. So I went to, the, to Amos. Oh boy. 
I, I was listening to it on a good you know, system in the house. I told my friend, I, one of my friends, I chatted, I said, oh boy, have you listened to Amos in the Bible experience? You need to. Anything we need to do, we'll do it. It's discipline. I hope you're getting my point. I have listened to that Amos like countless times. I'm sure my wife, I would have never talked about it. She entered the room. She was hearing Amos play. No, she go and listen to it. Amos was wrapping the prophecies away. When God was pronouncing judgment, it, that thing could win Grammy. <laughs> it didn't sweet. I listened to it both for the sweetness and for the prophetic word. Amen? Amen. Whatever we need to do, we will do it. The word of God sometimes is like, it's sweet. It's sweet. All right? Yeah. Sometimes it's medicine. It's not sweet, but we we'll still take it. When I was young, to swallow the simplest analgesic, you need to wrap it in eba. Coat it with okra soup. And make me close my eyes when you open my mouth. We'll do everything to swallow it. My mother will use all kinds of methods. When we were young, those they said regularly we had to take the warming agents. I didn't know I was that stubborn. I look back now, how could you be so stubborn? My father couldn't get me to swallow it. My mother will use all the other methods. You know the uh, okomi, bale, all those kind of things. Hey, hey, mommy, this one, I can't. My father will use the manly side. Get a cane. Open your mouth now. Lie, lie. I still remember my other wants to explain. If I, my other sister said, just keep it at the back of your tongue. Do as if you have swallowed it. When you have gone, they have gone. Spit it out. <laughs> I said, it can't even wet out my mouth. My father got frustrated. It had the funny taste. If you want bitter, should be you go bitter. It was neither sweet, nor sour, nor bitter. It just had its own taste. Which wants to put in my mouth, my throat will lock. The thing wouldn't go down. I live with my worms. The many they were there. Nobody could get them out. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> now I'm just trying to explain something. Because they knew the importance of the food of the medicine. They use all kinds of methods. Kajo, beg. You understand? Threaten. Bring the cane. Do everything. Because you want the thing to go down. That's what I'm going to explain. So, that's how the word of God is also. It is important. Read it every way. As a habit. You say, I don't like doing things that, you know, there's no, you don't want to pa- forget the passion. Read it first. If it flows, read it. If it does not flow, read it. Paul said, I want to borrow something from Paul. Be instant in season and out of season. That is, whether this thing is sweet, read it. If it's not sweet, read it small, small. I hope I get my point. But that's, I found that one as a personal experience. Whether the Bible, you know, people say, oh, I love my Bible. I actually love my Bible too. My Bible is like my wife. Sometimes she's exciting. Sometimes she's not exciting. But whichever way, she's, we are, we are bound. Amen. <laughs> Joseph. So since you married these last few weeks, you've always been told, I didn't know times you say this girl, I will return you to your father. <laughs> now I'm not emphasizing something here. It's important. Forget how you feel. Let me just add something to it for you. After a while, just like every other thing, it's habit forming. Some of you here you have smoked before. Don't put up your hand. You have changed, amen. Most men here, they've tasted cigarettes before. They didn't smoke it for more than that time, but they tasted it before. It's these women that don't taste cigarettes. All men tasted cigarettes. Most. I didn't say all. 
Okay, somebody said me, I did not. Fine. Don't you have bad boys in your school? <laughs> Curiosity alone. You want to say, what are they even smoking? Rubbish thing. Do you know, after I was like, why, why are you people killing yourself about this? No good taste to it. You cough, and you're looking, and you see them sitting down. This evening you're like, yeah, but you know, like, what is it? Useless thing. Look, it's only Satan that makes people continue smoking. It's like drinking beer. I have tried several times in my life to understand why people drink beer. It doesn't have a nice taste. Does, don't lie to me. I know you drink, but it doesn't have a nice taste. The taste is bad. I believe when you want to drink something, it must have a nice taste. You know, some time ago, I sat down with people, you know, big men, you know, everybody. They now serve one of these very expensive, um, not wine, no. What's the name of this one? These spirits. I've forgotten which one of them now. Oh no, you hear all the time. I'm a very funny person. I just wanted to know. Let me see what these men are drinking so I can be resisting the temptation. Have we? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot which one of them. Why do you pay money to punish yourself? No, no, Satan must be involved in this. Satan must be involved. You know, there are things that are sweet. You say, oh, temptation. I will not drink in Jesus' name. Some things are like, God will tell you, don't drink it. Say, thank you. You can't drink it. Say, are you sure? No, Lord, thank you. I'm a Christian. Amen. Some of those things should be cheap. They are too useless tasting to be costly. <laughs> now, why am I saying all of these things? Do you know, despite all of these things, you will see men pay money. They will sit around that table. One bottle after another. You're wondering. Should I tell you what's happening to them? They have formed the habits. Like one of my colleagues told me then, when I asked him about this beer thing, people drink. Now, just by the way, that's how the Spirit of God works. He removes some things from inside you. You just understand why people are doing it. So my colleague told me that day, he said, it's a habit you learn. You did not learn it at the right time. He was telling me, in effect, that I'm too old to learn bad habits. At the time, young men corrupt their taste bud to start enjoying sitting there around drink. I did not join them. And Father God, I thank you for that. For that reason, those horrible tasting things cannot take money from my pocket. Some things are habit forming. I'll give you medical fact. Cigarette is purely habit forming. It has no good taste. After, because of my natural study, I know a lot about it. I still don't understand how come on earth it ever made progress. It doesn't do anything good for anybody. Nothing. Nothing. Igbo is even better. I'm not saying you should smoke Igbo. I'm just trying to say that. I mean, you see the, the argument all the time about uh, um, Indian hemp, you know, being used for, to cure pain. Now, you know, the other day I was joking with somebody. My, the Undo State Governor. He's saying that they should, because they have a lot of India here in Ondo State. Ah! Huge amount. So the governor said, well, all this one that NDLA is always going to the bush to fight. No problem. Let's do guys. Just buy the India and process it into cannabinoid oils. Women have been putting India hemp in their hair for a long time. They say it makes hair grow. 
I don't believe it works because all these men would never have been growing bald. They smoke a lot of Igbo abroad. They would never have been growing bald. <laughs> when they wanted to legalize in parts of the U.S., people said they are going for medicating. So that's what they call medicating clinic. You're not there to, you're not getting higher. No, please, um, you go and make the pharmacist. You need two wraps. Why? Your back pain. <laughs> so you sit in one corner and drag two good wraps of reefer. Why? You got back pain. Cigarette has no claim to anything of such. Just by the way, I need to, let me complete that one. All of this noise they're making about India, they want to smoke. And after a few years, they will stop. You know why? They will see people begin to go mad properly. Then they will stop. I'm not joking. Mark my words. In five years' time, all the people that are legalizing the book, the same way they legalized it, they will try to ban it again. They will see small children that will just carry guns, shoot people. Toom, toom, toom. After a while, they will check and say, these boys have a higher incidence of smoking this thing. They will now start trying to ban it. It will take them under 50 years to ban it. I'm telling you, because by that time, they're making so much money. Now, I'm talking about cigarettes. People are hooked on something that does not do them any good. Nothing. There's no good thing you can say. Then why do they keep smoking? Have you ever talked to somebody who just finished smoking? Have you ever spoken with the person? You hold your breath. Bad breath. But you still go and smoke. What am I going to say? Whether the Bible is exciting or not is not the point. It can also be habit forming. I have personally had that experience many times. There was a time I literally was trembling. I'm not, I'm not, not figurative. I was fidgety. I'm like, I've not heard a good word in the last few days. I followed my friend to his house that night to go and collect some messages. I started listening to them in the car immediately. So let's form the habit with the scripture. So when you start, whether it's exciting or not, continue reading it. That's when I make it. You will end up forming a good habit for your life. Thank God for the days of, um, you know, smart devices. Thank God for these days of smart devices. Put your Bible on your phone. Put the audio Bible, if you can get it, on your phone. Listen to it once in a while. Read it as often as possible. I take some of those prophets. They are quite short. Sometimes I just sit down, just go through them. Three chapters, you're done. Four chapters, you're done. Some of them, one chapter, you're done. Letters of John, some of them, one chapter, you're done. You get my point? Jude, one chapter, you're done. Paul has all kinds of letters. Just pick one chapter here and there and read periodically. After a while, you will discover that reading the scriptures becomes a habit. It will have become a habit for you. It will have become a habit. Without it, your prayer is not very Christian. Anybody can pray. All religions, they pray. What makes Christian prayer different is that it has a foundation of the will of God. It's not every prayer that God likes. Some of them he answers, but he's not happy he answered them. You can harass him until he gets tired of your coming. He gives you something he doesn't want you to have. 
And that thing will never bless you. The fact that God is the one that gave it to you does not mean he bless you. So, for prayer to be effective, to be true Christian prayer, the first thing is that you make the knowledge of the will of God a lifestyle. Without it, you are not praying Christian prayer. You are not. Please bear that in mind. Your prayer is not Christian, you know. We say sometimes we laugh, we get angry, you know, whatever. When we're analyzing some of these things, like the one Christians pray a lot these days about my enemies die, 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 enemies die by fire, fall down and die, all those kind of things. You hear a lot of them around. But if you come here often, you probably don't hear much of it. But it's floating around the society. Do you know where it came from? It didn't come from the word of God. Those prayers were not breathed from the bowels of those who had studied scripture. They were reactionary prayers from the background and environment of idolatry. I hope you get my point. That's how the average person prays. So people will not carry that into Christianity. This time around, they will use the name of Jesus to finish it. Those who don't want me to prosper, die in the name of Jesus. Normally those same people praying that prayer, those prayers, will have gone to the shrine. They will have gone to the Babalao and they will have brought sacrifices and offer those sacrifices for the death of their perceived enemies. And in truth, people used to die. Some of those people will actually die. If you offend people and they carry a blood sacrifice to a shrine and invoke the judgment of God against you, if you don't have anybody praying, interceding for you, if you are not covered by what we are covered by the blood of Jesus. Literally, you will die. That's not a joke. So many people used to do that. They realized they couldn't go to the shrine anymore. And people are offending them. So they come to a new shrine. The new shrine is where? Church. And the new God there is Jesus Christ. But the same thing. Kill my enemies. Let them die. Now, the truth is that once in a while, our God kills people. Do you know that? But he does not delight in it. He always feels bad if he has to kill anybody. Especially the person is a sinner. He doesn't delight in it, so he says, my people don't delight in it too. So he said to us, how should you pray? I'm the judge, so I have to judge every kind of sin. But how will you pray? You will pray for your enemies. You will do good to them that hate you. I hope you're getting my point. So when you want to pray for your enemies, you say, Lord, this is my enemy. He doesn't know the kind of God I serve. That's why he's behaving like this. If he knew the kind of God I served, he wouldn't behave this way. So Lord, please, show him the kind of God you are. Have mercy upon him. So that he can see it and discontinue his misbehavior. And if you pray for somebody like that, sincerely, let me tell you something. <laughs> But I want to say it's very funny. You think I'm contradicting myself. But I'm not contradicting myself. I'm telling you the truth. The person is closer to death <coughs> than before you started a prayer unless he begins to repent. If he continues in his evil ways and you are offering those prayers for him or her and the fellow, because what God will do is to bring him in rest, react, you know, as an answer to your prayer to the point of repentance, to the point of truth, this is what we are dealing with here. Stop this nonsense. If he still will not listen, God will look at you and say, I tried though. 
You say, I should help this guy. For he has made himself, made herself a child of Belial. An enemy of everything that is good. So I have no other choice. So that he will not spoil more things. I will off him. After the Lord will have offed the person, <laughs> he still demands that you will not lament. You will not go to church and say, praise the Lord. <laughs> my God is a consuming fire. <laughs> hey, you want to try my God? <laughs> God help me. Somebody died. God will say, what kind of nonsense is this? When you hear the fellow has died, you should bow your head and say, what a pity. It's so sad. You are not supposed to rejoice. Now, this is Christian attitude. I hope you're getting my point. That is the attitude of Christianity. Not going around seeking vengeance. No. Forgiveness. God says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. We are not to come bragging on the fact that we too we can kill people. Now, you see what I'm talking about here? The way Christians pray is founded upon the knowledge of the word of Christ. Founded upon the knowledge of the will of God. Not a derivative of traditional worship. Which is what we see a lot in Christianity of today. A lot of people praying. They are not praying according to what Jesus taught. They deliberately turn their eyes. They follow their emotions. They turn their eyes away from what the Lord said. Once they told some people when this current they came into power because a lot of people didn't like him for whether it's just or unjust reason, reasons, a lot of those reasons, ignorant reasons, but they didn't like him. So they said, the Bible says, pray for your leaders. The instruction of the Lord is clear. You pray for the head of state. They said he did not say what to pray for. You know, there's a way in which you can go, you say, Banky. You still want me to bless this, your, your brother? So when Paul says, I pray for you, also me, we don't know why he prays for them. Are you getting my point? When Samuel said, God forbid that I should sit against him in not praying for you. So we don't know why he's praying for them. Maybe he's praying that he should die. So he doesn't want to sin against God, so he prays for Israel. Israel, die. For all the iniquities you have committed against the Lord. For asking God for a king, all of you die. Does that make sense? If language means anything, when God says pray for your head of state, you already know what he means. He means ask me to bless him, seek his good. That's what it means. But what do we do? Many times we just absolutely reject. We reject what God is saying. We rather hold on to the prayer that's founded upon our, you know, our background of idolatry. We hold on to prayers founded upon our pain and our anger. They drive you out of a city. You want to call fire from heaven. And Jesus says, is that the kind of spirit I told you that you have? It's painful, but there are times you just walk away, you know, because of knowledge. Because of knowledge. I was teaching the other day. As a married man, you marry, a married woman, you have a husband, you have a wife. There are things you don't say in, in prayer against your husband. I don't want to use the word against. When mentioning your wife or mentioning your, prayer, your husband in prayer, there are things you don't say. I learned that from studying scriptures and I understood the principle of accusation. So if my wife annoys me, I don't go to God to go and pray, say, Lord, 
this woman is annoying me so much, I feel like beheading somebody. I have learned, if, that, if it comes to a matter of prayer, don't worry, God was there when people were disagreeing. So you say, okay, what do you want to say? You say, Father, I thank you because you are good. Father, I thank you because all good and perfect gifts come from above. Thank you. The blessing of God, they make rich and do not add sorrows you know, with them. Or the blessing makes rich does not add sorrows with it. I thank you. You said love your wife as Christ loved the church. I receive grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Husbands, don't pray more than that too. Wives, don't pray more than that too. <laughs> That's how to pray. What have you done? You have prayed the word of God. Open her eyes. Open his eyes. Pray. Pause for teaching us to pray. I pray that she will be filled with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That she will walk in a manner worthy of you to please you in all respects, to bear fruit in every good work. If she bears fruit in every good work, all this quarrel will, will come to an end. Would it, would it come to an end? We are careful not to be accusers. There's a ten- tendency to become an accuser. There's a temptation. I told you once, but I just, I had, I, I've used the illustration a number of times, but I found one of the messages in which I said it long ago here. And it reminded me that, that there was a day I was, I was obsessed with my wife over something which I can't remember at all. And because you need a calm spirit to preach, I said I was not coming to preach that day. So I picked my phone to call, it was quite a while ago. I was going to call somebody, maybe Pastor came with somebody to preach that I won't be coming for Bible study. And I believe it was the Holy Spirit that told me that. So when the Lord comes and says, where are you? I hope you know God always comes to check where you are. I hope you know that. So be careful where you are each time. And he always goes to the place where you are supposed to be. From there, he will call out and ask you where you are. So I just imagine the Lord walking into Bible study. And he's seeing Apostle Okumiti preaching. So he looks to the left and the right. Where is Banky? He, he know, he, sometimes you know, he, he, he will come in physically. And tap Joseph at the gate. Please, I'm looking for Pastor Banky. Say, no, no, he's not around. He's not around. Uh, he's not around. Where is he? I don't know, but I think uh, I heard the Reverend Israel say that he's at home. You won't know, you just reported me. When I catch you, you just reported <laughs> me to the Lord. He goes to where you are supposed to be at the time you are supposed to be there. So just imagine him coming, looking around, and saying, Banky, where are you? And I will hear it from my house. And I will say to him, the woman that you gave me upset me. My spirit was disturbed, so I couldn't come to preach. Therefore, I decided to stay at home while preachers go to war. That's why you start seeing people beating across the fence. Decided to stay at home. You know, when I, I just played that thing in my mind. My brethren, I dropped my phone I quickly drank the spirit of calmness by force. You know, what I heard in that small conversation in my head is that you have now become an accuser. You are saying to God, the reason why I cannot fulfill the ministry you give to me is because of the woman you added with it. What are you saying? She should fall sick. What are you saying? She should enter a gutter when she's driving? Accusation. To prevent that occasion, that conversation, I quickly jumped up, picked up my bed, and walked. (laughs) 
I collected strength to do what I was supposed to do. Because, simply because, I did not want to be an accuser. That is the point. I did not want to be an accuser. I did not want to be an accuser. That's just the reason I didn't want to be an accuser. Let's be careful, therefore, that our prayers are stimulated by understanding. They are stimulated by knowledge. They're not stimulated by how we feel, what the environment teaches us, or what people practice all the time. Please, anywhere you gather and you want to start the prayer, that as we begin to pray, any power standing against us, die by fire. Die by what? Fire. Just know that you and the person leading you in prayer, you are all confused. I will ask you, where in your Bible did you ever see that prayed? I have seen people do pray prayer. Just see them, all the prayers, die. Die. Let me not stay there. The Lord is good. So I said all of this is just to remind us of what Christianity is. I said it should open somewhere, right? Psalm 122. Now I've been looking at this issue of the change in the nation, in the world around us that will come upon it only as God achieves his purpose in the church. We have seen that the church is the most important thing that God is doing on the earth. Christ. His church is Christ. That's the body of Christ on the earth. That is, that is the visible part of Christ you see on the earth. Well, I'm looking at that. So let's, let's read this particular portion. That this Psalm 122. He said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem that is built as a city that is compact together, to which the tribes go up, even the tribes of the Lord. They go up as an ordinance for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For their thrones were set for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. He said in verse 6, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. That is, those who pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Who love Jerusalem. The city to which the tribes go up. Even the tribes of the Lord. He said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. This is their prayer. Verse 7. May they prosper who love you. Verse 7. May peace be within your walls. And prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will now say, may peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. You will see the way he intertwined this prayer of Jerusalem with this house of the Lord matter. As we know, we are the temple of God. Amen? Amen. Individually, we are blocks in that temple. When we are praying for the peace of Jerusalem, of course, when you hear the word Jerusalem in the Bible, when you hear the word Israel... Zion, the house of David, all those things. In summary, that was the type. That, those were the words that God used to dis- describe the church of God in the former times. People have said that some people are preaching um, replacement theology. That some people have said that the church has replaced Israel. I've heard that accusation again and again. <clears throat> the etymologists you hear... And people accuse you of belonging to a particular school of thought and you are confused. That I don't belong to your replacement theology group. I am just quoting what the scriptures say. I'm quoting what 
Jesus said, I'm quoting what the apostles, people like Paul and Co., what they taught. And what did they teach? They explained that there's a Jerusalem from the earth and there is one from above. The one from the earth, you know, is a child of bondage. Are you getting my point? And that is typified by Hagar. And he said that is natural Israel. Am I telling the truth or am I lying? Is that true or false? Paul made it clear. Read that book of Galatians. That there's a Jerusalem from above. And what is that one? That is Christ. What is that one? That is the body of Christ on this earth. And Paul said later, peace be upon the Israel of God. And he also explained in Ephesians that there is no separating the two. He said he has broken down the wall of partitioning and has made both into one. I hope you're getting my point. So we understand that everybody is welcome inside Christ. Both Jews and Gentiles. And if there's any Jew that is outside Christ, he or she is not a party to the promises of God. Because only in Christ Jesus are the promises confirmed. That's what we are preaching. So when you see the Bible talks, talking about the house of God, you know, you, do, you, you know, the day I discovered this, I was, I was knocked out. That Nathan came and spoke to David. That you will not build me a house. Your son will build me a house. So what did we, what did we think? That Solomon will build a temple. And do you know Solomon actually built a temple? Except that God said it clearly, I don't dwell in houses made with human hands. So that could not have been the real temple of God. That was a type of the temple of God. And when we read that book of Hebrews, it now told us clearly that the son he was talking about was the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I are being built as the house of God by him. Would you have guessed, well, except that that book of Hebrews was written, how would I have understood that the prophecy by Nathan was not talking about Solomon, but was talking about Jesus Christ? That Solomon came as a type of the Jesus that will come. He built a physical temple as a sign of the house that Jesus was going to build. First of all, Moses built the tabernacle in the wilderness. Solomon built a physical temple. But the real thing that God was building is what? The church. The church. The church. That's the real thing that he's building. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. So when we're talking about the house of God, he's talking about the church. It's not replacement theology. It's Bible. It's Bible. It's Bible theology. It's what the scriptures teach us. So when it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Let me say something quickly again. Jesus said that those who try to save their life, they are the ones that are losing it. But the people who are giving up their lives for my sake, they are the ones that will find their lives preserved. Truffles. Truffles. When you spend so much energy praying for yourself, you are not getting as much results as somebody who is spending more energy praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Please, I hope you are getting my point. Those who spend energy trying to preserve their lives, I've said it, they are the ones losing their lives. But, you see, there are things you do. Please, I need to explain it again. That Shunammite woman is one of my best examples. 
That woman did not come asking for anything. She just gave up something because she said, I perceive that this is a holy man of God. You know what God did? God did for her what she did not even expect to be done. Please go and read my book again. Great faith can be yours. When it says faith works by love, that is just so clear in scriptures. Faith works by love. Now, the woman was not asking the Lord for anything. She was not sowing a seed into the life of Elisha. She was not stylishly asking God for something. She was not trying to get anything out of Elisha. How do we know? It's clear. Scriptures. We find that Elisha was so impressed. She said, what can we do for this woman? They called her. She did not say, speak speak the word alone and my servant shall be healed. Nothing like that. She made it clear that everything I did, I did these things without thinking of myself at all. I just perceived that this is a holy man of God passing by us every day. Elisha said to her afterwards, by this time next year you will embrace a son. She so much was not believing for a son that she argued with the man. What did she say to him? Don't lie to me, man of God. I don't want to discuss in details now how the dynamics of that will go. But the point is that her mind was not there at all. But you saw what God did for her as a result. Her miracles did not end there. There was trouble. She left the land. She lost her land. Then one day, she came back. People are taking over her husband's property. So she went to the king. And as she walked in, Gehazi was there telling the story of that experience before the king. And as soon as she entered, Gehazi said, Sir, this is the woman I was telling you about. The man said, the king said, what is it you want? My land, every land, portion of land taken from her family, restoration to her now. That's not where her miracle ended, not that child. There was a time there was trouble and she left. When she returned, God just arranged it. It was coincidental. Gehazi was narrating her experience to the king. When she came in before the king and told the king, I want my land back. And they give her everything back. But when she encountered the prophet, she was not thinking of that. That's the point I'm going to make. When she was doing everything she was doing for the prophet, that's not, look, all this one of doing everything for ourselves is the reason why we're not getting anything from God. Prayer time is breakthrough night for me. What we call breakthrough night is what I'm going to get. Seed time is from what I'm going to harvest. We're not turn the whole thing to jokes. I'm going to give my offering in dollars so that God can pay me back in dollar. I hope you know that is very is clowning. You know they call clowning. It's tomfoolery. <laughs> You're joking. I said God cannot reason. It's a computer. I've seen people say things like, ah, that the, the, yeah, he gave out ties. Then the next thing, ties, 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 ties. I said, the God you are serving obviously does not think. So when he wants to repay you, he give you ties that you can't wear. <laughs> On, maybe you are now in a tie-giving ministry. Maybe he could do that. People do funny things like, uh, oh, my child needs to go to school. Let me go and sow a seed into a school nearby or pay school fees for somebody else. That's not Christianity. You are still trying to, you are thinking of yourself alone. What am I trying to emphasize? What am I trying to emphasize this evening? That the Bible says, no, okay, I was saying something else. 
I was saying something earlier that the things that really, now listen to this, that really bring forth blessings into our lives, the truth is that most times we neglect to do them. We spend most of our energy on trying to bring the blessings in by force. Except that what God said we really have brought those things in, we don't spend energy on them. So in a typical church, if you say, let us gather the whole night and pray for the body of Christ. Everybody will remember, not everybody, most people will remember that this is an evening they said that we should come and fill uh, uh, a form in the office. The person will go to the office. I just bought a piece of land. I need to examine it. You know, it's in the Bible. I just bought some oxen. I need to prove them. But if he said, with the same, you know, the same announcement, he said, this night is our breakthrough night. Come. You will pray until something happens in your life. The same people giving you those same excuses will easily reschedule everything. That's what I'm making. They will reschedule. You say, oh boy, hey, that is, this is my breakthrough night too. Please tell the man that's selling the land that I will meet tomorrow. Now, listen to what I'm saying. The Lord Jesus says, and the Bible says it clearly, the person that came for the prayer for Jerusalem, which you're talking about, and let me say it again. You know, Christians have gathered. Does the Bible say pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Everybody will now turn towards the east and be praying for Benjamin Netanyahu and the Palestinian conflict. And the Christ, no, Christians are now taught as if they have a God-given duty to side with the Israelis against the Palestinians and the Arabs in, in the Middle East conflict. Let me just quickly drop something here. That is a lie born of misinterpretation of the scriptures. Let me just put it simply like that. Whose side should you take? None. None. Please don't be misled by our American brethren that gather and form coalitions in support of Israel. Please, let me just emphasize, I am not against Israel. I love Israelis like I love every other person who needs Christ in his or her life. I'll be honest with you, I love the Arabs just as much. That is what Christianity is. Christianity does not recognize anything apart from Christ. Either you are in Christ or you are outside Christ. If you are outside Christ, the desire of our hearts is to pull you into Christ. And do you want to hear a prophetic word? There will never be Peace in that portion. Pray from now till tomorrow until they say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. That's the word of God. Though. Until the peace of peace reigns in that land. This conflict, you know, you were, when you were born, most of you, almost everybody here, they were fighting over that land. True of us. If Jesus does not return and if people don't believe, you will sit there as an old man, old woman, 120 years old, and you'll still be reading the same news. It has reached a point now that I don't read it anymore. Because I read this 20 years ago. Almost everything you read, just, you, know, you can just take a newspaper that was published 25 years ago, change the date, it's the same thing. Do you know why? It's simple, it's the word of God. Your house should be left to you desolate. Until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. 
So let's bear this in mind. Please, it's very important for us Christians to get it because I see some of our brethren, especially from North America, the United States especially, they confuse us a lot of times. They make it look like as Christians we owe a duty. And unfortunately, it pains me because we hardened the hearts of the Arabs there against the gospel. They think we're all the same. We're not. We say Jesus is Lord. We say Jesus is the Son of God. We say Jesus is the Messiah. Anyone that does not believe that is an antichrist. Even if you claim to have Abraham as your father. I'm talking about Christianity here. Look, you say, okay, in the conflict, what side should you take? None, no side. You pray that Jesus will be known. You pray that peace, um, sorry, that truth will prevail. You pray that the Prince of Peace, because when he comes, he reconciles in him. There is no difference. Inside him, there is no Jew. There is no Gentile. I don't know why people can't see that. It it, it beats me. This is so clear in scriptures. But let me see it on my message. My message is so, please don't join those who say, turn your head. No, one will say, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This is what the Bible is saying. And that's what we've been doing for for the last few um, meetings here on this particular subject. We are praying for the peace of the Jerusalem from heaven. We are praying that that Jerusalem from heaven we expand and fill the earth. We are praying that that Jerusalem from heaven will be pure and it will be pure like the Lord ordained her to be. We are praying that every liar, people propagating lies, people sponsoring the doctrines of Nicolaitans, people pushing the doctrine of Balaam, the error of Balaam, the Jezebels in the midst of her, that they will be eradicated. We keep praying like that. We pray that God will dwell in the midst of her, in her, in his power. That her light will so shine, that it will dazzle everybody around, and they will realize there is no light apart from that one that is in Christ. That is our prayer. We are praying that everyone who step, steps into her, will walk in purity. We pray that she will not be defiled with the world around. We pray that God will fulfill his word. He will send laborers into the harvest. We pray for her, all right, that God, who is sending laborers into the harvest, will arm the laborers with power so that when they open their mouths and mention the name of Jesus Christ, miracles and signs and wonders will be done at the mention of that name. We pray. We pray that she will not be contaminated with the world. We pray what Jesus said of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. He said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. I hope you're getting my point here. These are the things we pray about and listen to this. We make those prayers more important to us than praying for our personal breakthrough. I hope you're getting my point. We make those prayers more important to us. Let me say something quickly. We need to know what they call true love. Now, I don't mean single girls know what they call true love. I mean, <laughs> then I hear true love. Does he really love me? <laughs> That's not what I mean. You will find a loving husband, amen? I don't mean man love, girl, girl loves, guy. That's not what I mean. I mean, I want people to know the meaning of loving something or loving someone or loving, you know, in reality. 
Because love has been thoroughly corrupted amongst us believers. We hardly do anything except they tell us what is in need for us. That's what I mean by true love, knowing what true love is. If pastors, you know, we, we had discussions here, maybe co-workers' issues, and you know, apostles used to make a joke that, ah, that I want to these certain places. It's simple. If you want people to come and sweep in church, there's a message to preach. I think there must be an outline for getting work, church workers. As you are sweeping the sanctuary of God, God is sweeping every yamayama out of your life. Every dust that enemies have planted, every gala wrap that is inside your life, every broken tissue paper, as you are sweeping these things out of the sanctuary of God, some of you say you can't sleep because your mind has spiritual profile. Come and mop the house of God. The Lord shall mop your mind. We're very wicked, though. <laughs> God has to have mercy upon us. I want you to preach like that. You know what happened? So next Friday, the church sweepers, you, you, when you see the kind of cars that will pack, people have never cleaned in their office. They will carry mop in the sanctuary of God. As a bank MD is mopping, then on Sunday, the pastor will come be preaching on humility because he saw a man trying to preserve his soul, <laughs> mopping. The same man will sweep the Babalao's house if that's where breakthrough is. This will annoy me, those when they say a man is humble. say, how is he humble? He says, carrying chair in church. I said, nonsense. Let me go and carry chair in the banking hall. I know he's humble. You can't carry chair at home. You carry in the church. You think you're humble. Do I look like an idiot to you? You want to be humble? There's no other. Go and carry chair. She be a bank manager. Go to the banking hall and sweep. That's when I know humility. Not the one that you are looking for a blessing. That's what I mean. When I say we don't understand love. People have been corrupted. Ah, Jesus. We institutionalize what I'm talking about. Pastors even teach it. When I'm in pastors meeting, how do you get the church members to do something? Tell them what is in for them. And that's why till now when in the TV network wants to raise money. Most of them have a habit of offering you something back. Because they know that if they tell God we bless you, you can't guarantee that. But at least they say, if you send us five, five, $50 every month for the next 12 months, we'll give you this special carving. It was carved by the orphans in Jerusalem. I see there is a blessing. I, you don't know human beings. We manipulate this there, you know, this idolatry in the mind. So they say the orphans in the St. Peter's orphanage, at the foot of Mount Zion in Jerusalem. The orphans carved this, they carved this image of Jesus on the donkey. So we are going to send one to you as our way of saying thank you. You know the truth? We know that you want to receive so you can put it in the corner. When you want, when you want to sleep, you will tap your orphan carved Jesus. Protect me while I sleep. My $500 is with TBN, yeah? <laughs> it's sad, honestly. That is what we have, cre- we have created that. So Christians don't know how to do things and forget it. And then you do something, you are waiting, God. That offering was three weeks ago. How long does it take for your account to grow? So you don't understand why you should sit in your home or get on your knees at home 
and be praying for the disunity that's against the disunity of the church in Nigeria. It doesn't make any sense to us. Because nobody has explained to us the blessing. If you take Christians, if you pray for the unity of the church, the quarrel between you and your husband will end. Call prayer meeting tomorrow. Every, you, the church go full. They didn't come to pray for the unity of the church. They came to solve marital problems. That's what I mean when I say, when I say, we need to know what they call love again. Loving in truth. Huh? We as a body, we have destroyed it. We have destroyed it. So that when you tell people, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You know what they are saying? There's prosperity for those who pray for that peace. Ah, oh boy. You need to buy a car, build a house, and buy half of First Bank, right? How do you get there? You will pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Listen, when Simeon was praying, you know why he was praying? The only thing he wanted to get from it, die fast. I don't know whether you get my point. Simeon, that God kept alive, praying, and he said to him, you will not die until you see the salvation of Israel. Ah. So the man kept on praying. The day he saw Jesus, he said, ha, ah, ha, ah, the last of my friends died like 45 years ago. I'm still alive. The boy that will save Israel, welcome. Can I die like this? Say, let, let your servant now depart in peace. That my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. I hope you're getting my point. The man was not looking for anything. Yet he stayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. You know, my mother prays for me all the time. Prays for kingdom word. If I mention your name that you are doing something for us, she will join you to her prayer list. I just realized that. What is she trying to get? This year my mother will be 81. Oh, yes, she was 80 last year. Oh, was she 81 last year? Or which one was she? Your mother in law? <laughs> the Lord is good. But I know she does that. In fact, she takes as a ministry. For what purpose? It's simple. He's my son. He's doing ministry. She loves the Lord. She loves her son. She loves her grandchildren. And I know the joy of her heart. Like the other she was saying that she will attend Aculus graduation. No, to her, it's a prophet. That is, you will graduate, I will attend. What is the young man going to do for his grandmother? That, I just want to be there when you graduate from school. And that is what? Joy. That's it, that's it. It's not uh, when you graduate now, you'll not be giving me money. No, that's not it. That's not the issue. It's just that joy for her comes out of seeing the prosperity of her loved ones. I pray, I just feel the Holy Spirit is saying, my people need to learn true love again. They have been taught wrongly for a long time how to do things only for how it benefits them. I'm ending this series of teaching about the church of God today to leave this with, with us. That start direct, look, when the church prospers, be happy. When I say be happy now, let that be something you derive joy from. 
When the church does what is bad, I remember some years ago, let me not remind us of bad, bad stories. It happened long ago. I was still in university then. A particular year, 1988 exactly. Some American preachers did some terrible things. Two of them. The first one, we didn't hear so much about. The second one was the one I remembered my friend was washing under a tree. One of, us, one of our brothers in fellowship was my roommate. So I saw him and his friend talking and talking and talking and talking. They were looking very morose. They were looking sad. It wasn't funny. So I said, what is going on? He said, I didn't want to say anything, Joe. He didn't want to be talking bad things. After a while, he now opened his mouth and told me what happened. Do you know, instantly, even me, cold catch me, like we say in pidgin English. Ah! We were embarrassed. I don't know what I get my point. A man in America did something. Of course, it was shown internationally. And of course, it was the word like, eh, oh, eh. you put thought you are holy? She said, all of you are hypocrites. And right there on the campus of University of Benin, we are ashamed. That is all Christians, serious believers. Next two days, they were going around with their heads hung like this. Why? Because something happened far away, but we felt touched by it. It was as if this man was indicting all of us. I don't know what I get my point. It was about every church in America felt it. Offerings dropped. Oh, yes. You know this one that send offering? Americans say, eh, send offering to who? For what? Because these two men that year, they were the uh, were Americans two most, you know, they were the top two television evangelists. I was going to say two most known preachers, and I remember Billy Graham. That's why I stopped. But if you remove, if you remove Billy Graham, they were the two best known all over the country. And two of them, were, one of them went to prison as a result of all of that. Do you know what? It touched all of us worldwide. We began to feel bad. When you want to preach next time, you are like, would they say, which church do you go to? Are you a television church or person? Or, you know, it was embarrassing. But he said, look back, now it was good. When I say good, now the way we felt, it shows that it touched us. We recognized that we were one. I hope you're getting my point. And I'm, I'm going to bring us something here. We should get to a point again where our joy comes from where, when the church succeeds. When you see the Anglican church doing something, and Methodists go and join. And say, we have closed service for today. It will make you happy. You should rejoice. Buy yourself a drink. Like, wow, why are you happy? I saw a demonstration of unity today that I have not seen in the body of Christ before. You should be glad. When you hear some brethren dragging themselves to court over who is in charge of the church, who is not in charge of the church, it should make you feel sad. Sad enough to go home, get to your knees, and pray. That's what I'm talking about. Sad enough to get home, get on your knees, and pray. You know, there are times I get, you know, we get emails. People will pray prayers for me. Sometimes people will go for meetings. Out of, out of Enugu, you know, Enugu, a, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own house. I'm an Enugu prophet. I hope you get my point. But when you leave town once in a while, you see, we will meet you. Pastor, I want you to know we are praying for you. That you will never derail. Anytime they say that one, I say Amen. One of the reasons that I know that part of their prayer that I shouldn't derail is because they have seen so many trains. Ah, they have seen many trains. 
the train started like this, and they were feeling happy. Then, boom, boom, the train come off a track, entered into the river. And that preacher, Ichabod. So they watched me for some time. They listened to me on radio. Downloaded some of our messages. Ah! They said, God, she this one will not join. You know, I prayed, I started praying the prayer a few days ago. God, please, oh, if having money will make me preach a wrong gospel, please, Lord, poverty is my portion in Jesus' name. I'm, I'm not, don't think I'm kidding, no. I'm not laughing, no. Because right now, I would rather be poor than join the league of those who succeeded materially, having been ministry for a while, then they can't preach Christ again. No, and I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm saying in front of everybody, I'm not joking about it. Oh. What is wrong with the driving car that's making koro koro koro? Is it today? What, what, what is the big deal about it? You will still get to where you are going. Don't worry, you will still get there. You may have to change tire once or twice, but you will get there. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. There's one man here that the very nice one. Nigerians are following him now. And I listen to one of his messages. He now shared the revelation of how God gave him the, the, the spiritual, uh, uh, what, what was it that, uh, like the spiritual, give me the word now. Something about control over money. When God gave him the secret of control and he received the anointing to get dollars and pounds, no, fear, fear, fear begin catch me like, fear. Like, oh God, no now. This dollars and pounds is not necessary, really. It's not necessary. This word you are preaching, now leave dollar out of it, please now. Hey, you know, when Jesus said, beware of covetousness, he wasn't joking, you know. You cannot serve God and mammon. He knew what he was saying, you know. Some people said to me, we are praying for you that you will not derail. Me too, I said, praying for myself that I will not derail. When I saw so many, well, what looked like derailing to me, thank God for men like Kenneth Hagin. You may not agree with him 100%, but one thing I love about him, the Ken Hagen that passed on and went home to be with the Lord was the same Ken Hagen I knew from his messages 60 years before that time. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't mean I knew him for 60 years, but you compare the one he preached just before he passed on and the one he preached 60 years before, which we have all of them, the same thing. I took encouragement from that. I listened to him. That's why I hear him copy like Derek Prince. Sometimes I listen to David Pawson. He's an old man. I think he said he turned 90 last year. Oh, yes. Is it this year? This year. Still preaching the same thing. I said, Lord, there is hope. What am I going to say? When people tell me stuff like that, we are praying for you. I know they are not joking. For me, I appreciate it. What am I talking about it? They are saying to me, say, sir, don't take away our joy, don't take away our joy. We are enjoying the word you are preaching. No, please, don't let anything carry you away. We are praying for you. So the rest is now in your hands. You know the truth? People who do such things, nobody told them, pray, you'll get a breakthrough. It's just personal concern. And I'm throwing it down to you again today. Now, you have to just illustrate something for us. How we should handle the issue of the body of Christ. Now, sometimes it's difficult to pray about things that you feel a bit distant from, distant from. So I want to say something to you. Start with the ones that you are close to. For example, you go to a church. You know, you know I say something, we laugh about some things here. But you know something I kept on saying? The Lord is not laughing. All the lies we tell in the name of preaching, the Lord is not laughing. You know, remember that woman with the shortened arm that everybody has been using for miracles? I found out yesterday that she's been with police for over for 
over a month and a half. Finally, a few days ago. She was not telling the story of how much she was making by for each show. When I see such things, you know, it's grieving. So I pray a simple prayer. You know, there are prayers you are nice about some. There are some prayers. You are not my enemy. You are the enemy of Jesus. You get my point? So I have to release you for him to do. Especially when you are not a Christian. Say, Father God, every, I, I pray the prayer gently. Because of the anger I feel about some of those things. Father God, every place where they are playing such jokes. Lord, please, in your mercy, shut them down. Scatter them. Distribute them everywhere. And please gather quite a number and lock in prison. I'm serious about it. Is that not a nice prayer? It's kind. Like that said, everybody should die by fire. I just asked the altar, the platform, the crusade should scatter by water. Scatter by police intervention. But really, it's a personal thing to me. As of today, I said, and I don't mean it as a joke, that if it's now I'm starting ministry, I will not use the title Pastor Banky. It's either as a joke when I was in school, actually. I never picked up the title. My friends were just calling me that. But I deliberately fought against it. Whatever from that Psalm 122. Let me just add this one to it before we rise up to pray and then close. My perception is this. If we don't pray the right prayers, what God wants to do will be delayed for a long time. And if eventually we still don't pray the right prayers, we just close everybody up, including the good and the bad. Did you hear what I said? No, no I'm not joking about that. Eventually you'll close everybody up. Close everybody down, I wanted to say. You'll just close everybody down. Everybody, pack up, pack up, pack up everybody. You say, but we are doing right here. It doesn't matter. Everybody, close down, cl- close down, close down. So we owe him a duty to utter certain prayers. We have to continually pray and tell the Lord every platform elevated to obscure the knowledge of Christ. Lord, pull it down by yourself. Go and see what he told Jeremiah. Let me read that one. It's so beautiful. When he sent Jeremiah on an errand, he told Jeremiah, this is the work I have given to you. Jeremiah chapter 1. Verse 9. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms. To pluck up and to break down. To destroy and to overthrow. To build and to plant. God gave him four words of removing that which existed before he gave him two words to build up that which did not exist. He said to him, you will pluck up, you will break down, you will destroy, and you will overthrow. Then you will build and plant. I believe very strongly that as we are praying in this generation, not only should we pray, you understand, for the good things that God should do in the body of Christ. Don't forget, judgment begins in his house. Before we go into that, we have to continually ask God, please, Lord, every place where there's division, join them by force or close them down. Everywhere they are lying constantly in your name, cause them to repent or, cl- or if they don't, close them down. When you pray that kind of prayer long enough, the effect will shock you. You won't like the effect. You will criticize the effect if you don't have the sunny eyes. 
Because one day you hear two pastors fight, and then the church scattered in three ways. And you are wondering that why are they still dividing more, even though we are praying for unity? God said, wait, wait, wait. Paul said there has to be divisions if some are good and some are bad. So what I do is I break out those that are good. Just watch me. Give me two, three, four years. Those who, the other ones that I do not approve of, they will disappear nicely. You will not hear of them again. You will pass by churches that they've spent money on. Great giant buildings. You will look inside, listen to the word of God, and they will be empty. And you won't know what happened. It will just be a simple case of Ichabod. This church used to thrive those days. Though. What happened? We don't know. Whether the one pastor left, another one came. People just stopped coming, Sha. No story. Then one day, a church building will be put up for sale. Don't be angry. If you have money, buy it. Turn it to event center. Why are you laughing? It's just a building now. It's not church. Church is the people that go there. And those people can never be up for sale. I'm telling you what is going to happen. So that when they happen, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Because when God wants to set a right that which has been you know, wronged, wrong for a long time, four things will happen. He will overthrow. He will pluck up. He will break down. He will destroy. He will overthrow. But this is the good news. In place of all this, he will build and plant a new thing that your eyes will see and you will be glad. That is the word of God. Let's ask for our feet. I've done something today. I've left one thing for you. That you must henceforth, on a regular basis, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You must. On a regular basis, you must pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Begin to give Lord thanks again this evening for the truth that he has brought your way. That Psalm 122 is very important. Say, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You know what we're talking about. Our feet are standing within your gates of Jerusalem. Jerusalem that is built as a city that is compact together. To which the tribes go up, even the tribes of the Lord. To give thanks to the name of the Lord. For their thrones were set for judgment. The thrones of the house of David. He said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will now say, may peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Now begin to pray. Say, Lord, concerning the church in this nation, may peace be within her in the name of Jesus Christ. Pray that prayer this evening before we go. Pray that prayer. Lord, let peace be within this church. Lord, we uproot everything that is negative. We break down every lying pulpit. We scatter every cause of division. In the name of Jesus, we uproot everything that is wrong. And we overthrow worldliness. Lord, we ask for truth to be planted. Let peace reign in the body of Christ in this nation. In the name of Jesus. Let's continue to pray. You're praying for the church. And we're asking that peace upon his walls, upon the borders of the church. That peace. Let's pray. Pray that prayer. Pray. 
that wrong doctrines be uprooted and destroyed. That worldliness be uprooted from the church of God. That, that's, that's our prayer. And peace be established. In the name of Jesus, pray. Say, Lord, uproot wrong, wrong doctrines. Uproot worldliness. Uproot word, wrong doctrines. Let them be destroyed in the name of Jesus. Let the church again be known for truth. Let great fear come upon the church and upon the people of the church. Let the Lord be feared again in the church. That's our prayer. Let the Lord be feared again. <laughs> Let the Gentiles fear the power that comes out from the church. Let that be your prayer. Let it be again a place where righteousness is exalted. Brethren, pray. Pray. Say, Lord, your church is what we are praying for. And we'll pray, Lord, that your church be pure. Say, Lord, that pure church that you desire. That pure church that you desire. We want to see it in our lifetime. We want to see that church. Pray. I don't know if that is your heart desire. Oh, we have stories of how righteousness was the order of the day. Holiness was the order of the day. Pray and say, Lord, I want to see it. I want to see that. I want to see that movement again. I want to see it again. Therefore, Lord, as a result of everything that you have not planted in your church, let it be uprooted. Let lies be uprooted. In the name of Jesus, let competition be uprooted. Let envy be uprooted. Competition among brethren, Lord, let it be uprooted. Let righteousness be established. Let true love be established. Can you pray? True love. Let there be love for one another. Let brethren consider one another. Let brethren pray for one another. Let, be, let there be that unity that you desire. We are praying. We are praying. Pray. Pray for the church of God. You will see it with your eyes because you are praying. Say, Lord, cleanse your church again. Cleanse your church again. Cleanse your church again. Brethren, you are praying for yourself. You are praying for the church. In the name of Jesus. Let unbelievers come and be uncomfortable. Because of the truth, Lord, that, we have, that is being taught. In the name of Jesus. Peace upon the church. Peace upon the church of God. Peace upon the church of God. Brethren, pray. Pray. He said, I will build my church. That's the only thing God is building. He's not building any other thing. He's not, it's this church that is building. It's this church that is building. That's the only thing he's building. Therefore, pray. Pray for the church of God. And say, Lord, anything obstructing that church, that's your church that you are building. If worldliness is obstructing that building, we push it aside in the name of Jesus. Build your church, like you said. Build your church. Your church for, of, that is known for righteousness. Your church that is known for holiness. A church where people will be afraid to tell lies. Lest they think the spirit of Peter is available. A church where there will be true love and a command of truth. Brethren, pray. 
a church where people will come and say, what shall we do to be saved? Let that, is that church that we'll pray for? Is that church that we'll pray for? Is that church that we'll pray for? Peace upon your church, Lord. That pure church is what we'll pray for. Lord, we bless your name forever. Thank you so much again. We bless your name. Just give the Lord thanks and say, Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. Let your voice of thanksgiving reach him this evening. Bless the name of the Lord. Because indeed, if that is truly our heart cry, then the Lord indeed will answer us. With your eyes, you will see a pure church. You will see that glorified church. Lord, we give you praise. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for another word that you have brought to us. A word in season. We give you praise. Thank you. The church shall no longer be ashamed. But rather, we walk with our heads high, knowing that the solution lies with us. Lord, we give you praise forever. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Alexia, the grace in fellowship. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I say that to your neighbor. This is your season. Three people. Two more people. This is your season. One more person. This is your season. One last one for you. This is my season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, cheer up, brethren. The world works. God bless you.